good evening, everybody. How we doing? Yes, it's me. Don't head for the exit. Good to see you. Now, so glad you are here. As you saw with the uh, little video behind me, we are continuing in our series just called Abide and looking at God's word, that it is good news. And, and this is the reason for this series that as we start yet another year of life, sometimes, depending how long we've looked at God's word, it can just become you know, something we learned as kids in Sunday school. It can be an opinion. It can be a good idea, a good suggestion. But no, we serve a God who actually speaks, and he wants to be listened to, and he is worthy to be listened to. And so this is what we want to do tonight. We want to look at God's word because he said this for a reason, and we want to respond tonight. Does that sound okay? Say yes, because that's what I'm doing. All right. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 6 tonight. Um, We're going to be all over the chapter, but right now we're going to read verses 51 to 59. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John 6. And tonight, um, last week we looked at Jesus is the Word, and tonight we are looking at the Word feeds our spirit. So there's going to be a lot of puns on food and all of those things, but the Word feeds our spirit. John chapter 6, verse 51, and it says this. Excuse me. This is Jesus speaking. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. These are the listeners, and they said, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Verse 55, For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And he said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Excuse me. That's a crazy verse. And we are going to unpack it, but it kind of reminds me of a moment in my life, I guess an origin story moment. Uh, I spent um, my high school years in Missouri, specifically Kansas City, Missouri. And Kansas City is super flat. And there are lots of tornadoes. If you've ever driven through the Midwest of the States, lots of tornadoes. Excuse me. Last one. Um, but lots of tornadoes so often that you hear the tornado sirens going. It makes noise, but no one pays attention to it. They're like, ah, that's just what happens if you live here. You hear the siren, yep, imminent death, it's coming, but it's not coming, so you're fine, we're good. My sister and I were working in a grocery store, and we're restocking the shelves, and all of a sudden, we hear the sirens. We're like, okay, Keep going. So we kept um, stocking the shelves, and all of a sudden, over the PA, the manager said, quick, to the freezer. 
like to the freezer, saying to all of uh, all the people who are shopping, all the customers. So we hear panic and screaming coming from the front. So instead of listening to the instruction, we go to the front. And you know when you're at a grocery store, there's just huge windows, and you can see outside everything that's happening. Sure enough, it was not just a warning. There was a tornado, and it was in our parking lot. Cars were being shoved out of the way. Things were being ripped out of the ground. Trees are flowing. It, it was like a scene from a movie. And so the manager screams at everyone, quick, to the freezer. I guess that's what you do in a tornado. I'm not sure. But we go to the freezer, and we get in there, and there's about 200 of us, a mix of employees, customers, all of that. And it is like a scene from a movie. The lights are flickering. Water's dripping. It's just scary. It's crazy. It's intense. And all of a sudden, my sister, who's a little younger than me, she looks at me and she goes, you got to do something. <laughs> like me? No, I was just an employee, not even a good one. Like I don't, <coughs> like I, I can't do anything. She goes, you have to do something. And the manager keeps coming in and out of the freezer, just giving us an update. It's in the parking lot. It's coming closer. It's coming closer. All of a sudden, the ceiling goes, gunk, gunk. And he comes and he goes, it's right on top of us. So my sister looks at me crying. Usually I'm making her cry, but she is crying. And she looks at me and goes, please do something. So I said, okay. I grabbed a milk carton. I stood on it and said, ladies, I was going through a special stage in my life. But I said, ladies and gentlemen, I know you're scared because you're about to die. Probably not a good thing to say. <laughs> I said, you're about to die. And you know what? I'm kind of scared, but I'm not hopeless because I know who Jesus is. He died for me. He has made a way for me to be with him. And I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know who has me. And if you don't know this, please Follow this 15-year-old in this prayer. And right before I can pray, the manager busts into the freezer and says, we're saved. And I'm like, yeah, we are. But he's like, no, the tornado's passed. We're good. Everything 50% off. And everyone just runs out. Now, again, like a scene from a movie, I'm standing on the melt carton, just looking at everyone going, I'm like, what in the world did I do? Why did I do that? This is crazy. And I looked at my sister. Her mouth is wide open, just staring at me. And I said, what? You told me to do something. She goes, yeah, not that. <coughs> and I wonder, when we read this passage, if we kind of feel the same way with Jesus' words. Because in our life, we will face disasters, storms, out-of-the-ordinary events, even ordinary things like wants and needs and all of those things. And maybe some of us, we've just experienced enough that we've said, uh, that's just what life is like. We've just accepted it. But I wonder, even if we don't say it out loud, what if we are looking for a better source in our problems? What if we are looking for an answer that we just haven't found yet? And maybe, maybe we've heard of Jesus before. 
Maybe we've heard whatever that looks like, some kids screaming in the freezer or whatever. So we've heard the name of Jesus, and we believe, well, what if? What if this could be it? Maybe you're here tonight. I know we have some visitors and some new faces. Maybe you're here tonight because you just, a friend has invited you, and the motivation was Jesus. Or you've been hearing this name, and you're here to hear about it, and we're so excited, and we're glad when we talk with friends, and they're like, yeah, tell me more, tell me more. And then we read a passage like this. We're like, oh, Jesus, could you please just say something else? (laughs) Don't say that. Don't make it freaky. Don't make it creepy. Eat flesh, your flesh, drink blood. Please don't make it creepy. But today, we are going to see that Jesus is still saying these things today, that he is a better way, a better king, and even a better food. So in John 6, here's what's happening. Here's what leads up to this passage. You have thousands of people following Jesus. And John 6 starts off by saying, because he had been doing signs and miracles. And because of that, lives are being changed. And they're following Jesus. And as they're following, they're seeing miracles happen. They're seeing their lives change. But then they also have a very physical need that Jesus says, hey, these people are hungry. Let's get them some food. And he asked the disciples, already knowing what he was going to do, but he asked Philip, hey, what are we going to do? We don't have enough money. And he asked Andrew, and Andrew says, well, I I found these five loaves of bread, but they were barley loaves. They were basically muffins. Like, I found these five muffins, but what are they among so many? And Jesus performs a miracle. He makes food out of nothing, out of this small boy's lunch, picks it apart, multiplies it, and gives it to the people. Now, we might say, Matt, that's cool. It's a beautiful story. I heard that in Sunday school. Yeah, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Arguably, as you know, probably wasn't just 5,000 people there. Families were there as well. So you're looking at close to 20,000 people that he just feeds miraculously. And again, a good story, but what is that? What do you do with that? But for these people, it's more than just a story. This is a life-changing event. Because here is this guy who can make miracles happen, but more than that, He can make food out of nothing. And this is huge for them because in our context, we may not get this because like 10 to 20% of our income will just go to our food while the rest goes, you know, to savings or vacation fund or retirement and all those things. But food, yeah, we've got that cover and we're saving up for other things. But in that time, 80 to 90% of your work just went, or of your life was just working for food. If you work that day, you ate. If you didn't work, you didn't eat. So for them to see Jesus make food out of nothing, this is crazy. This is life-changing. I mean, imagine if somebody came and used their powers here in Vancouver and said, hey, I can give you a house. Uh, No mortgage, tax-free, and I'll throw in retirement for you as well. Okay, I'll vote for you. And we usually, usually do vote for those people because that's what they say they can do for us, you know, every, so, every amount of years. Um, but, oh, excuse me. And, and that's what the people wanted to do. They wanted to make Jesus king. And it says they wanted to make him king by force because they're saying, wow, you're doing something that no other person can do. We can't even do it for ourselves. And you can do this. We want to make you king. 
And Jesus goes. He goes across. He goes away. But they follow him anyway. And why is that? Because they have plans for Jesus now that they can see everything that he can do. And they want him to carry out their plans. So this crowd, in many ways, was kind of becoming an army. Say, hey, we'll go to battle for you. You be our king, and we will follow you. Um, Because what is this doing? This is reminding them of the glory days. This is reminding of them when they had a relationship with God, that God would do everything. They were his people. They were the powerful nation. They're like, it's coming back. It's coming back. And now, Jesus, we can follow him. He can remove all our problems. He can overrule and overcome empires, and we will be in charge again. And they have plans for this king. The only problem is they haven't asked this king what his plans are. And in verse 26, Jesus answered when they followed him, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. When it comes to feeding our souls, that's what we're talking about tonight, Jesus shows us that we will stay starving when we see Jesus as a helper and not a king. We need to see him as a king. And I think our normal response to who Jesus is and the words that he say says are just like the people back then. It's like their response. Because they're like, if I make you king, you get rid of all my problems. Same with us. If we make you king, then Jesus, you, you'll take away my loneliness. If I make you king, you'll give me a spouse. If I make you king, you'll make me financially secure. If I make you king, you'll take away my pain, etc. But instead of looking for a king to lead us and rule us, often we're looking for a king to just simply exist for our material needs. We want his stuff. And it's true that we will miss Jesus even while following Jesus if we just want his stuff and not him. You know, one of the reasons our Christian lives, if you've been following Jesus for a while, one of the reasons our Christian lives can be so exhausting and so unfulfilling is because we're doing just a baptized version of how we were before Christ. For example, before we would look for human approval by being a good husband, an awesome mom, a fantastic and trustworthy employee, just making sure that we were being noticed for what we did. But that wasn't fulfilling us, so we found Jesus, and it's great. But now we look for human approval in the church by being a good teacher, a good pastor, an elder, a servant, just hoping that we get the same pats on our back that we were desiring before Jesus. Maybe financially, we were financially motivated before we met Jesus, and now we love Jesus, but we're still financially motivated, so God, if I give you this, you'll give it back to me, right? That's what we're hoping for. Or maybe we were lonely, but then Jesus, Jesus came, changed our lives, and we're waiting, actually, for him to give us someone. Well, he gave us himself, but we're just waiting for someone else. So now, instead of being lonely, we just have someone to be angry at in our loneliness. But Jesus instructs. He continues to instruct because he cares. And in verse 27, he says, I know what you need. So don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. We need a king to be satisfied, not just his stuff. Why? Because we will never be full when we work for our own food. 
Jesus says, you are working really hard for food that will satisfy and last forever. But just like all food that we make as humans, it's going to go bad at some point. And that means for eternal food, you can't think your way to it. You can't pay your way. You can't date your way. You can't mother your way. You can't work your way to eternal life because it simply can't be earned. But you get it by believing. And Jesus knows we're hungry, that we need food to survive. So Jesus says that he's the bread of life. He's not coming just to bring bread. He is the bread. And to these people, bread just wasn't a snack or an option. No, it was eaten daily, like three times a day, like rice. Can I get an amen? It was just like eaten three times a day. They needed it for daily sustenance. They needed it. And Jesus is saying, you're not just going to live off the bread I give you, but I will be your staple. I am what you need to live. Uh, this is even the way that Jesus teaches people to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Think of that. If all you knew that you needed bread to live, like he's praying, pray this, because I am that daily bread. The bread that Jesus is giving is not wealth, power. It's not even the healing of diseases. But it's his bread, his bread that hits us at a deeper level. Why? Because he gives us himself. He gives us a relationship. You see, there's a difference between comfort food and soul food. Here come the puns, okay? There's a difference between comfort food and soul food. Uh, I'm not sure about you, but a couple weeks ago as a church and also as a spiritual family around the world, we participated in a week of prayer and fasting, just wanting to lean in the things that God wants to do and is doing in 2022. And for parts of it, I was quite miserable because as you can tell, comfort food has made this body what it is. And I was a little miserable, even to the point, and I'm so sorry to confess this, but even to the point, I was, I was so hungry that I was watching pizza reviews. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. I even watched a guy drink 20,000 calories worth of Mountain Dew just because I was like, that looks so good. <laughs> but this is the thing with comfort food. It was so fun. Even though I'm hungry and I'm weak, I still want the things that I think that I need. So I'm looking at pizza reviews. I'm not looking at like nice, healthy diets and nice, healthy things to look at. No, I'm looking at carbs and calories and the things that I think will give me comfort. It's actually going to kill me in the end. I'm surprised some of these YouTubers are still alive. It's crazy. But in my hunger and in my weakness, and, you know, whenever I have eaten healthy food, it, it's happened, but whenever I eat healthy food, like there is something that happens to my body. It responds a bit better. I can breathe a little bit easier. I feel a little bit more functional. It's like, wow, this is actually made for me. This is interesting. It works. And even in my weakness during that time of prayer and fasting, my first thought was to go for comfort. But when I realized, you know, there's something better than my comfort, and maybe you've experienced this, I wasn't hungry at all because I was sustained by Christ. He literally was my food. I was praying to him, thinking of him, not thinking what I could get, but God, is there something you want to give me in this moment? And there's a reason for that. It's because our soul's hunger is only satisfied by Christ. 
So we see Jesus talking, makes a crazy claim, and he says, he is all we need to survive, okay? So Jesus, if that's true, let's go out on a limb. How do you eat this bread? Because it sounds pretty gross. Sounds kind of weird. How do you partake in this? Verse 47, he says, if you believe, you have eternal life. And it is true. Our deepest need in this life is to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We need to believe that. And when we believe, that brings us a relationship and a friendship with Jesus. And I like that. That's good. I'm looking for that. But then Jesus keeps talking. He says, believe and eat my flesh, and you'll have eternal life. Like, (laughs) it's kind of weird, right? (coughs) Excuse me. Imagine if you got like a little doll for Christmas, right? Like my girl's got one. And let's say you pull the string and it says, let's be friends. I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. And then you pull it again, eat my flesh. Like that, you're going to send it back to Amazon. That, it's just weird. It's like, what, what are you talking about? I just want the friend part. I don't want that part. And to these people, and maybe even to us, that's appalling language. Yeah, I'm in. Tell me what I need. Tell me. Tell, do what? That's appalling. It's offensive. It's gross. Even when I was preparing this, Kat's like, you're not really going to say that. I'm like, but he did, you know? And I've texted people, and they're like, what are you preaching? I'm like, oh, eating Jesus's flesh and drinking his blood. And they're like, oh, okay, but like, just pretend, right? I'm like, I, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like, question mark. It, it is offensive. It's a little gross. And this and this is in the story where we want to see Jesus come down to the people and go, oh, okay, guys, come here, come here, come here. I was just being metaphorical, okay? I, you know, I, that's how I talk. And so uh, I'm just giving a picture, but yeah, all you need is me. But no, then he takes it up a notch. He says, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood as drink. Okay, this is weird. But these words, they're more than just weird. They're a test. They're an opportunity to see the real problem that's going on, the real hunger that's going on in our soul. When Jesus speaks, and he does, he still speaks, do we trust God's word, even if they might be appalling to us? Even if they they don't sound right? Because the truth is, if Jesus is God, we will wrestle to trust his word. Because he speaks like a God. We don't. And we will wrestle with it but we will trust it. But like these people, and sometimes us, maybe all the time us, if we are God, then we determine what Jesus says, if it's good or not. And if we don't like it, we leave. And if we leave, we stay hungry. So to these people, a couple minutes ago, this was rabbi. This was teacher. This was Messiah. This is the king. Now he's psychotic. You're telling me to do what? I mean, these people had food laws given by God that dealt with this. You separate the blood from the food because blood means life. You don't drink that. But just like every time Jesus speaks, he's always teaching something. Even when he's making offensive statements. Uh, because as I, was, as I was studying, historically, scholars have taken this passage, what Jesus said, 
and they say that Jesus is talking about communion. And if you've been here, we participate in communion together. Um, that through the, what the scholar said, that through the eating of Jesus's flesh and blood, that we get eternal life. But we can't take this passage to be directly about the Lord's Supper. Because in it, Jesus equates eating his flesh and blood, not with the Lord's Supper, but with believing. With believing. And feeding on Jesus' flesh and blood is about believing. This passage is not talking about the Lord's Supper. However, the Lord's Supper is talking all about this passage. When we take part in communion, we are declaring that God has given us an invitation to join him at his table through his son, Jesus, that only Jesus, his body being broken on our behalf, will suffice our hunger, that Jesus, only his blood that covers our sin, allows us to be in the relationship with God that we were made for. So Jesus is teaching that the reason we do not have that deep soul satisfaction is because we're working really hard instead of just trusting him believing him. He is saying to the crowd and to us, we can only approach God because Jesus is our food. Now, this is shocking because the people wanted Jesus to be king, but a king cannot be food. Why? Because food dies. So the, the king can't be food because food dies. So tonight, after the service, you're probably going to go home or go out to eat. And I don't know, maybe you eat some chicken, maybe a steak, maybe some pork, maybe all three because it's Super Bowl season. I don't know. Um, but whatever you eat, almost everything you've eaten, even lettuce, you know, that head's been decapitated for you. Like everything that we eat has been killed so that we might live. We talked about this a few weeks ago. And if you haven't heard, please go listen to that. It was amazing. Um, but everything we eat has been killed for us so that we may live. And this is hard for us to hear. Why? Because typically we don't want anything that we can't do ourselves. More importantly, that we can't take credit for. But Jesus says these things to offend our pride and expectations of what a king is. Because Jesus is saying that he is a different kind of king. He is the kind of king that would give his life, that ye may have eternal life. He is the kind of king who would come and give us peace with God through his death. He is the kind of king that went to war against Satan, sin, death, and our enemies through the cross, so that those who believe would have everlasting life and peace with God. So near the end of this, these crowds of thousands, close to 20,000, this new army who's ready to make Jesus their king, it's down to 12 people. They peace out. They leave. And the 12 that stay, one of them still wants to kill Jesus. And Jesus asked them, do you want to leave too? Ooh. Not like, how'd I do? Like, do you want to leave too? And Peter, one of his followers, replies, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. They knew what it was like to feast off Jesus. And if you're like me, my soul is hungry a lot. 
It's hungry for change. It's hungry for fairness, for comfort, for understanding, for peace. I hunger for things that are out of my control. And I can't do anything about it. But my soul is so hungry because I do want to see change. I really do. I hate it that we live in a world where slavery still exists. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Where things are happening, where people, they, they can't just have conversation. We're fighting. Like, I want to change, but what can I do? And I wonder tonight, if your soul's like mine and you're hungry, what is your soul feeding on? What is it feeding on? Student, parent, child. What is it feeding on? Is Jesus your food? Or do we just feast on his gifts and talents and blessings that he's given us? What are you eating? What satisfies? Is it your status, your rights, your viewpoints on political issues, justice, identity, achievements, desire, maybe even your hurt? Some of us are stuck. We've been hurt. We keep feasting on it because we don't know of anything else. We're the victim and we keep feasting. In Isaiah 55, it says, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Feeding off Jesus. Jesus's food means that it isn't just comfort food, but it's seeking and trusting God in all things. I don't mean to be too practical, but here is what it looks like. Here's what he calls us to. Before you go into a conversation and you're already assuming the outcome, what if you were asking God how he's going to move and speak in that meeting instead? In a hopeless situation, work, family, you're just stuck. It's constant. Are we accepting it as, well, this is my reality. This is my load to bear. Or... Do we actively ask God what he wants to do in this situation? Do we ask where he wants to be present? Instead of just waiting for a miracle to change our circumstance, are we opening ourselves to say, God, maybe you need to change me? Because our soul is satisfied when your eternal view of Jesus is bigger than your current view of your situation. The story I told Earlier, I was standing on the milk crate. Really, really sad. <laughs> Everyone left me. All my fears of doing something for God just all came to a reality. It's like, oh shoot, I knew he wouldn't use me. Even my sister left. <laughs> and I'm just standing there. And all of a sudden, an 80-year-old woman came up to me. I'm still standing on my, on my little soapbox. I'm still standing there. And she says, young man, and I didn't know what she was going to say. She goes, I have faced war. I have lost friends. I've lost relationships, husbands. I've had babies. I've lost babies. I've had children love me. I've had children run away. I've had success. I've been borderline homeless. I've had disease. I've overcome it. Everything in this life that's been thrown at me, I've taken care of it. Until today, I thought I was about to die in a freezer by a tornado. I can't control that. Can you please lead me in that prayer that you're talking about? 
Now, this is where, yeah, everyone says, oh, it's great. I still think I failed. I'm like, great. My faith only brings grandmas to the Lord. Like, this <laughs> is crazy. But what I realized, even preparing in this talk, I had no other food to offer. I had no other plan except Jesus. When even my sister was asked, do something. I couldn't think of anything else except Jesus. I'll invite the worship team as we close. But friends, family, your soul will only be satisfied when you follow a source and not just resources. When you have no other food to depend on, but you trust the king who gives life eternal, then our soul will indeed be satisfied. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm gonna talk just a little bit, and then I'm gonna pray, but I'd ask you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. This is a time between you and God. And if you don't believe in God right now, it's fine. This is a time for you to think. What am I eating for my soul? Because it's hungry. It really is. Keeps me awake at night. Keeps me confused. I feel like I don't, like I'm not where I need to be. I'm not full. No matter how long I've lived, I'm still hungry. What's feeding it? And when you hear the name of Jesus, what does that do? Does it make you think you have to do more? Or do you see it as an opportunity to believe in what he's already done for us? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we come before you as a hungry people, just like the people in this story. You were worth following. But Lord, sometimes we follow you just because we determine your worth. You're worth our time if we get the things that we want. If you speak when we want you to speak, then you're worth it. But God, that's not it. You're not a king that just gives us stuff. You're a king that gives us life. And we need you. So I pray, God, You would fill our hunger, whatever that is right now. Wherever we're looking for peace, it would be you who steps in. Wherever we're looking for reconnection, it's you who steps in. Wherever we are looking for reconciliation, it is you who steps in. God, we need you, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Could you please stand as we respond to this?